Good morning. George Watkins here on this happy Monday. <laughs> Isn't it good to be alive in Christ? That's a rhetorical question because it is good to be alive in Christ. Amen. Well, we are kicking off another week, zooming in toward Thanksgiving this week and Christmas next month. Wow. Aren't we having fun? <laughs> we must be because time sure seems like it's going quick. Well, thank you for coming by on this Monday morning. I always appreciate being able to talk to you and know that you are on the other side of this microphone. Most of all, I'm thrilled that the Word of God is effective, eternal, and, and persistent in its duty to fulfill what God promised it to fulfill. So when we talk about the scriptures, when we share revelation that we've received, it goes into the spirit world and God takes it to wherever you are and ministers that word to you. Isn't that amazing? I am so in love with God's stuff. <laughs> Not good English, but it says what I mean. We're going to talk today about uh, marriage and salvation. I'm going to give you a couple of verses, and more than anything else, I want to stir your thinking and your faith up. I want to see if we can break some of the crust around our <clears throat> ability to grasp a hold of the power and the magnitude of what we call salvation. This mysterious thing that Paul refers to uh, <clears throat> as we come together as that uh, joining together with Christ. Now, <clears throat> in Matthew 19 and 6 and Mark 9 and uh, 10 and 9, there's a term, he's talking about the marriage, uh, the marriage and uh, of a man and a woman as God created them. And he says, what God has joined together, let no person, no man put asunder. <laughs> I uh, heard years ago they were trying to argue um, not doing the Panama Canal or something like that, because they said that was separating the continent. <laughs> uh, some kind of silly interpretation of that verse, which means talking about the, the marriage of a man and a woman. Well, everything that is given as examples in the teachings of the scripture has a spiritual purpose and a spiritual purpose. <clears throat> um, truth behind it. When Jesus used the parables, he always had a spiritual kingdom principle he was teaching. Farmer goes out to cast the seed, the fisherman casts the net, all those things are spiritual truths. So when Paul is teaching about the marriage, he's talking about, he's talking about a man and woman becoming married. He's talking about kingdom stuff and spiritual life. Now, in uh, in Acts the 11th chapter, Peter is up in the, is 
napping room. It's the afternoon. He's waiting for dinner. If you've never uh, gone to dinner at a uh, in another country, in this case, it was the, the Middle East, in another country where they don't have refrigeration or fast food, you wait for your dinner. <laughs> we went to breakfast, the, our group in uh, Thailand, and I'm sure we waited three hours for them to kill the whatever we were eating. <laughs> I think I think I saw someone go fishing down to the river to bring back the fish. It's a long time. So Peter's asleep in the upper room and he has a trance. He goes into a trance and vision comes down and it, and it's a sheet full of unclean animals that he's he's forbidden to eat. Well, he refuses it being a good Jewish uh, boy. And God says, wait, wait a minute now. Whatever I have cleansed, let no man's call unclean. Now, this thing about salvation, born again, in my notes below, I, I put together some, some thoughts on that. You can read it if you haven't had a chance. But in this thing we call salvation, some call it born again. Others call it, uh, in the Baptist tradition, they may call it walking the aisle or shaking hands with a preacher to be converted, to be saved. Those terms come from different theological backgrounds. And depending on the theological background you have, would be, if I, if I knew where you're from, I could tell how nervous you are about your salvation. When I came to Mount Vernon, there was a woman in the church that had been saved 50 years. And that was, that was unheard of in my thinking. I was, I was young myself. <clears throat> And, uh, but she came to me in serious counsel. She, she was a, a singer in the church. She gave tongues and interpretation. She taught in the, in the, in the Sunday school. She loved God. She sold Christian books in a bookstore, all those things. And she said, I don't even know if I'm saved. I have this fear that I'm going to, you know, I don't have salvation. Well, that's the kind of thing that persists if you have if you don't have a good grip of what it means to be married to Christ. Now, in the natural rendition or the natural um, explanation of this, Paul said, or the scripture says, let no man put asunder. Now, Paul likens the church and Christ to a marriage. So when we get born again, when we're saved, when we come to Christ, when we accept Christ, when we say the sinner's prayer, when we come to the altar, whatever term you've come into where you made a commitment and a decision and you received his forgiveness, it becomes a marriage. And you become one with Christ, just like a man and a woman become one at marriage. And they become one flesh, the Bible says, in, and they actually become one spirit because their spirits are joined together. That's why it's so dangerous and, 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 and unlawful and sinful and the breaking of covenant. When you go to a prostitute, if you're, when, you're, when you're going to someone outside of marriage, or you have an adulterous affair, you are joining your spirit to another spirit. And the 
the crime of that, I say the crime in the sense of breaking the laws of God and breaking your own covenant laws, is that you have you have tried to blend together. You've tried to blend together with another spirit. And the only spirit you have rights to blend with is the Holy Spirit. You have no other marriage. Um, <clears throat> you're married to Christ. So if you try to do it any other way, it's a sinful thing. Okay, I'm, I'm off the track there a bit. Let's stay back on it. But I want you to catch a hold of the power of this salvation where we're married to Christ, like a man and a woman are married. And that covenant is unbreakable by the outward people. You know, no, let no man, nobody can break that up. Okay. Now, Ephesians 5 talks about the two becoming one flesh. Let me pick that up over here in, uh, in the Passion Bible for just a moment. Ephesians 5, for this reason, a man is to leave his father and his mother and lovingly hold to his wife. Now, let me let me give the picture of leaving your former life in the spiritual sense. When you come to Christ, you're leaving where you came from. Your father and mother is your, is your genesis. But that beginning is not what you're entering into, you're entering into a new life, a new covenant, and a new family, and a new name. And you are what the Bible says, a new creature. So in this case, Paul is writing, for this reason, a man shall leave his father, mother, his early beginnings, and lovingly hold to his wife. Now the wife being the Holy Spirit, and the Spirit of Christ, and the Trinity that, that, that you are coming into. You're being married. Since the two have become joined as one flesh, marriage is a beautiful design of the Almighty, a great mystery of Christ and his church. So Christ and his church is likened unto man and a woman. Now, the reason I say this is because if it's identified in the scriptures that when you marry your wife or husband, you are eternally bound together. Let no man pull asunder. There's no separation. Don't separate that thing. Then in Christ, in marry, marrying Christ, when you come to salvation, born again experience, there's nothing that's going to separate that. You are eternally married together. When we talk like this in our Pentecostal worlds, people start getting nervous. Are you eternal security? Well, we've softened that a bit. We call it the security of the believer. And yet in the background, we've got a number of things that could kick us out. As a kid being raised in, in the uh, Pentecostal tradition, at least in our world, this isn't, a, this isn't a description of every Pentecostal, but in our world, you could, you could lose your salvation by a bad thought by smoking a cigarette, by going to the pool hall, by going mixed swimming. Uh, there was a whole list of things you could go to hell for. Now, looking back on it, it's, it's, it's sacrilegious to even think of it. It's ridiculous. It's, it's terrible to think that you would bring someone into Christ 
and they would come to the altar and receive Jesus. And they would stand up and say, I am born again. I know I know Jesus is my Savior. And then a week later, they do something that you are now telling them that you did that and you are now a sinner again and you're going to go to hell for that infraction. Okay, now enough of that. I think you've got the point. The point is salvation is a mystery that is to be unfolded as we grow in Christ. Salvation is more than just a uh, temporary signature on a piece of paper like a marriage contract or covenant, marriage license, as you say. But it's a it's a bond in the spirit. That's why we get married in the church. That's why we get married before the congregation as witnesses. And in the sight of God, the preacher says, that's why we do it. Because we are sealing ourselves together as one person. Now, go with me just for a moment to Ephesians 2. And let me pick that up just briefly. I'm in the Passion Bible. And uh, been doing a little bit more... Uh, Bible reading lately in the on the on the video, but uh, pick it up in the second chapter of of Ephesians two. <clears throat> and his fullness fills you, even though you were once like corpses, dead in your sins and offenses. It wasn't that long ago that you lived in the religious the religion customs and values of this world, obeying the dark rulers of the earthly realm who fills the atmosphere with his authority and works diligently in the hearts of those who are disobedient to the truth of God. The corruption that was in us from birth was expressed through the deeds and desires of our self-life. We lived by whatever natural craving and thoughts our minds dictated living as rebellious children subject to God's wrath like everyone else. But God, <laughs> but God, oh, I love those two words. The junction, the collision of truth that comes into our life. But God, think about it. That, that'll preach some of you preachers. <clears throat> Still loved us with such great love. He is so rich. <clears throat> Let me get my page turned here. He's so rich in mercy. He's so rich in compassion and mercy. Even when we were dead and doomed in our many sins, he united us into the very life of Christ and saved us by his wonderful grace. He raised us up with Christ the exalted one, and we ascended with him into the glorious perfection and authority of the heavenly realm, for we are now co-seated with Christ, with him in Christ. Okay, now that's just a spiritual des description of what happens when you come to that altar, that place of repentance, that place of commitment, that place of receiving. That takes place. You have come to the Father who has always loved you with great mercy and compassion. And then you go on an ascension trip with, the, with Christ, ascending up to that place of authority. You say, well, I don't know much. 
I, I doesn't sound like I know anything. That's not the point. Christ has done a work for you that will take, in some case, in some cases, a lifetime to have it understood or even revealed, but we are there because he made it happen. You are secure in Christ. Now, when you go to bed tonight, don't fear that you're going to lose your salvation. And when you get up in the morning, I want you to wake up to the fact that God has anchored you in his love, that your salvation is made with super glue heavenly superglue. So be content. Paul said, we got a lot of freedom, but don't let that freedom go to excess because there's no point or purpose in it. It'll damage things. Well, I have just stirred myself up for the week. <laughs> and I trust that some of the things that have been said today will stir you up to remember that God did a work in you that is unfolding daily. This is why we meditate. This is why we study the word. This is why we pray. This is why we love to worship because all of that opens up our understanding of how great this love is and what a great salvation we have received. Amen. Glory to God. Father, just seal these words. I thank you for the power of your truth. Let it go forth into the hearts of those that listen in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, don't forget to subscribe if you haven't. Like us on Facebook and look in our notes below and you'll find some other places that you can find us on. We have a web page there and so forth. Thank you for your prayers, your sharing, your comments. All those things really help us. And we bless you for your giving that you have done. It helps us get on down the road. Amen. Until tomorrow morning, may the Lord bless you and keep you. Rest assured in your salvation.